Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles, your podcast for everything smart cities action and investment and outcomes. Uh, my name is Adam Beck. I'm your host of the Chronicles. Uh, my day job is Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council here in the region uh, for Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and episode 17 today, uh, and we're pivoting away from our first series uh, of podcast episodes around those fundamentals of, of strategy, standardization and collaboration. And we're going to start now uh, a series around sort of more straight talk. You know, what, what, what are these key concepts that we keep hearing about uh, that we think might be valuable, but we want to cut through and, and try and sort of get the no-nonsense take on those. Uh, and today, our episode is going to be on digital twins. And joining me to unpack the idea of digital twins, uh, Matt Aberline from our partner company, Oricon. Matt, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me, Adam. Pleasure. Um, Matt, let's, um, let's give our listeners a bit of a, a, a bio on yourself. Who are you and what is your day job? Okay, so um, obviously Matt Abelone. Um I'm I'm just a I'm just a country boy. So grew up in a little <laughs> country town from uh, from West Wyalong, so out in the middle of New South Wales. Um, but um, but following all my school life out there, I, I moved to University of Wollongong. Um, studied for a few years there to become a civil engineer, um, where I went into um, to geotechnical engineering. Um, so I. Spent about six or seven years doing that, um, which was a great opportunity to travel all around Australia and, um, and see a bit of the world as well uh, and get a bit of perspective on things. Um, following that, I uh, did, some, did my geotech masters at UNSW. Um, once I finished my masters, I did a bit of a pivot in my career and moved into project management. So a um, bit of an interesting one, but, um, but haven't looked back since then. Um, so I've moved into, uh, well, from there, I moved to be the digital practice leader for New South Wales at Oricon. Um, I did some more study. I uh, went to Stanford Graduate School of Business over in the States and did the LEED certificate um, with uh, people from all over the world. So that was, that was another fantastic experience. Um, and since then, um, I've been able to move up into our, um, to lead our New South Wales asset management team um, in the advisory arm of Oricon. Um, and we're really, really looking at how we can uh, bring digital into asset management, um, but also maintaining those really solid asset management um, fundamentals. So, um, so yeah, a really, really fascinating time uh, at Oricon and, and to be honest, in the industry um, because as we see kind of technology start to catch up with, with thinking or, or thinking's catching up with technology, however way you want to look at that, um, the, the opportunity for, for the industry is to um, see how that kind of then funnels down into, into what we do. So a really exciting time and um, really excited to, uh, to see how things are moving along. So thank you, Adam. Yeah, so, so Matt, with that background, you, you've had no shortage of exposure to... Um, the, the prediction, the modeling, um, the, the sort of digital representation of, uh, of, of features, of conditions, of assets. And it sounds like, particularly given your geotech background, um, you, you've had exposure to this sort of both below and, and above ground. Um, last year, 
um, Gartner put out um, its top 10 strategic technology trends for the year. Um, mm-hmm. di- Digital Twin was was ranked number five, and we're gonna we're gonna sort of get into uh, get into Digital Twin and and everything there is to know about it. But before we do that, I just wanted to I just wanted to go back a little bit and and try and get you to work with me through through a conversation now on on how we sort of got to got to digital twin i mean i i've been i've been sort of messing around in the built environment for sort of you know 15 <laughs> 20 plus years and i remember i mean it would have been early 2000s i think i'm confident in saying early 2000s that this idea of you know this bim thing came along and for those that have got no idea uh, what that acronym is, uh, building information modeling. So this idea of kind of creating some sort of a digital representation of physical things, um, of course, is not a new new idea. It's not a new process. Um, can you share with me, uh, you know, the, the lead up to now and this idea of digital twin, you know, what, what's been your view of the journey so far? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I think um, the the reality is that the BIM has been around for a long time. Um, it, I suppose, when you break it down into its kind of fundamental um, objective, it is it is really information management um, and and bringing that collaborative side to it. Um, and that's and that's kind of where we're starting to see it move into the more mainstream piece now because the the technology has caught up. Um, Storage for, for information has um, has increased rapidly over the past few years. Um, so we're really at a point where where BIM is is becoming a way of of working um, and a way of sharing information. Um, and and the the opportunities there are are enormous. Um, just just to ensure that you've got collaboration between different um, stakeholders, whether that's throughout design or planning. Um, or even later on in the in the asset life cycle. Um, so I suppose um, that that process and where it's come from and where it is now uh, has been has been quite interesting to follow and obviously to backtrack as well. So um, I think I think now we're at a point where where we've got an opportunity to really look at the full asset life cycle, um, not just not just to say, okay, this is BIM and it's really great for, for design and construction, but to look at it and say, okay, as an industry, we want to, we want to look at this and, and make sure that what we're developing early in a project or early in an assets um, life cycle is going to be useful throughout um, its entire um, life. So really, really interesting. And I suppose now we're, um, we're, we're able to do this. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of my my take on on BIM. I, I like to keep BIM as simple as possible, and I, I try not to talk about software um, because because I like to think that we could we can do process mapping and and make sure that this is software agnostic, and then just fit the software to it. Um, so so, so yeah. Matt, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, yep, it's it's a tough question, but out of out of ten, what would you score Australia at in terms of adoption of BIM? Yeah, look, I it, that that is a, that is a tough question because it is it is varied across industries and and location. Um, we've seen some some projects 
projects that have had full implementation of BIM and, and been really successful off the back of them. Um, and we've seen projects where it's really struggled because uh, the buy-in from all stakeholders hasn't been there um, or the understanding. Um, so I suppose to give, to give one number would be tough, um, but I think everyone's, everyone's realising now that it's a time, that the time is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that's the exciting part. Uh, that we can we can be a part of that change because I see that the current working generation has kind of started from we've even got people that were here before CAD um, and then CAD came in and everyone was had to completely change their their way of working. Um, we're now we're now moving to what might be um, essentially a three D model of a design um, and and being able to really utilize that to its full potential. And the value that will provide. So I think I think we're in a really unique spot now um, to set this up for the future. So let, let me let me interrogate that a little bit further. So as I mentioned, you know, I first stumbled across you know the acronym and the and the process of BIM, you know, 15, 17 years ago. So. Um, now, this is an unfair question to you, Matt, but I mean, if, if it's been 15, 17 years for BIM to finally have its time, I know we're going to talk about digital twins soon. I suppose what goes through my mind is, is it going to be another 15, 17 years for digital twins to have its time? I suppose what I'm trying to do here is unpack mm. yes, we have the technology, we have the process, we have the software, physically. You know, the, the, the tool is there and ready for implementation, but it seems like as an industry, as and when I say probably industry, I mean more government and industry, you know, public and private sector. Um, it seems to me like maybe we haven't been sort of firing on all cylinders in terms of embracing the value of having these digital representations of our sort of physical systems and, and assets. Am I, am I being too harsh there? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I, I think I think sometimes we do underestimate the fact that this is a massive change management piece. Um, just as much as it is a tech piece and anything else that it might be, uh, it's it's change management. It's, it's fundamentally changing the way that we do work and how we deliver projects. Uh, so. Um, it, it's not. It's not. It's not a fast process. You don't click your fingers and then tomorrow you've got um, an entire workforce or, um, I suppose, industry that can deal with um, modelling in three D, um, managing information across a whole project lifecycle or an asset lifecycle, um, and and can just change what they do. Like it's. It's not a fast process. But I think that the thing that is on our side now is that everything's set up for this to happen. Um, there's no, there's no real detractor at the moment. I know, I know we are finding um, a few roadblocks around um, well, what's what's the value of BIM or what's the value of um, digital twin, um, and I see that as a challenge for us, especially in the consulting world, um, to 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 work on that and to and to really bring that value. Um, it's it's not worth doing if it doesn't bring value. Um, it's just it's just something else to manage or maintain. Um, so I think, um, I think, I think change is fast now. Uh, we only have to look at, at big companies that become big and then potentially disappear very quickly. Um, in the past that never happened. 
Uh, so change is faster. It's just, it's just how do we manage that on the, the more human um, level of things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, well let, let's dig into digital twin uh, and th- th- this idea, this process, th- this thing. Um, my, my very, um, uh, the, the minor amount of research I did on this was quite fascinating. Uh, the Google machine tells me in most of the searches I do on who created the idea or who came up with the idea of digital twin. It seems to be this, uh, this, this guy called Michael Greaves from the university of Michigan in 2002. Um, so we're now in, 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 you know, 2019. So the words have seemed to be floating around for some time. However, in Australia, I feel like it's really been the last 24 months where uh, it's become more common in, um, in, in government and industry circles. Uh, and indeed, we're now seeing sort of the specification of digital twin and some key policy documents and, um, uh, and initiatives in particularly New South Wales. Um, in, your, in your mind, sort of how fresh is this idea of digital twin and uh, does your sort of... Um, conclusion concur with mine there or have you been, is this been an underground concept that you've been working on and others for years and years and years or it is pretty new or how's your alignment with my assessment of the idea? Uh, look, fairly similar to be honest. Um, it, it, and just, just like BIM, um, I, I love, I love talking to, to some of our more senior, um, engineers and, and modelers that we have here at Oricon and, um, they, they, we, I talk to them about certain things and they, they say, we've been doing that for years, Matt. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> um, so look, I think, I think that's, um, and I, I actually find those conversations really exciting because the amount of information and value they can bring from what they've seen over those years is, is immense. Um, so that's, that's, that's really exciting when you get someone that says that I, I think, um, and I suppose, so I don't think it's new. Um, we're not we're not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, I think it's just it's just the application um, and and how it's and how it delivers value for for what it is. Um, because this this concept has been around for a long time. Like if you look at um, like General Electric or McLaren, um, they're two kind of different industries to what we're talking about at the moment. But General Electric have had a system called Predex for years now, where they've been um, creating, uh, I suppose, a portal through to, to assets and being able to apply um, machine learning or, or whatever it might be to identify when a fault might happen. Um, and that was really driven by the industry because they were, they were um, designing and providing um, jet engines for planes, which you, you want to know if, if one of them isn't functioning to its full capacity. Um, and likewise, with McLaren in F1, um, they want to win races. So they developed technology to tell them when something wasn't quite right um, in real time. Um, so they didn't have to pull the car in to realise that it wasn't working properly. Um, so th- these these kind of concepts are around um, and they're normally driven by different things, um, whether it's you wanting to win a race or to make sure that the um, the the machine you're developing um, functions to its highest capacity um, or for its for the longest period of time. Um, so it's, it's all there. Um, I suppose now we're starting to see specifically in Australia as well, is a lot of policy starting to come out um, and, and the driver for 
large asset owners um, to understand what their asset base is. Um, and the answer is not always digital um, because you, obviously there needs to be a very strong, um, I suppose, approach to that from whether it's throughout the design phase, construction, or then through to asset management. Um, you need to make sure that you know what the questions you want to ask of those assets are um, and then what can inform those questions. Uh, if, if you're getting, if you're having that level of conversation, um, then you can really start to find out what the value of these things might be. Um, and then off the back of that, um, you've, you've, got, you've got something that can actually start to, to inform your decision making. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think the, the policy requirements that we're starting to see now um, are definitely pushing um, the decisions on this. I, th I think your um, your description um, around you know uh, wanting to understand how the, how the sort of the machine works and the machine performs, um, you know, of course, uh, th th that's sort of that that automotive racing, those other industries. So uh, applying that to sort of a city's concept now, I mean, it's it's it, it's I think it's a similar sort of question. You know, how is our city performing, or how could our city performing? What happens? Uh, when we do certain things, we push it here, it pushes out there, and we poke it here, and certain things happen. So, so just on this twi uh, digital twin idea, uh, Matt, you know, this is, um, you know, this is a a, uh, a digital version of something that manifests in, in a physical way. In in short, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Ab absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think the, the the theory then of having a digital twin of a city. Uh, or as we're seeing in New South Wales, a digital twin of you know the state, um, sounds sounds sort of like a, a, a great idea. Um, I want to do a hypothetical with you. So I'm, I'm the mayor of you know a city. Um, I'm I'm you know I'm reading in all these blogs and I'm hearing at all these conferences that you know digital twins are the next greatest thing. We we know that Singapore is embarking on you know its sort of digital twin of the entire sort of nation, you know, big sort of leadership kind of stuff and a lot of marketing and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Um, what does it mean for me as the mayor? I mean, do I, you know, do I really need or want a digital twin? Is it, I don't know, you know, I've, I've, I've got a lot of assets, you know, I'm responsible for delivering citizen services, you know, one of our, you know, biggest sort of budget items is, you know, I suppose, management and maintenance of, of public realm and, and streets and roads and all, all those other things that make up those physical bits of a city. I mean, do, do, I, do I even sort of pay attention to this idea of a digital twin as the mayor of a growing city? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I suppose lots of, lots of, um, of these the mayors are, are definitely thinking about it. Um, or, or large asset owners or agencies. Um, and, and there's lots of examples that we're starting to see now um, and, and work with as well. Um, I think the, the key is that it has to be linked to the decision-making process. Um, it, we, can, we can lead a lot of these things um, with, a, with a very tech-focused mind uh, mindset. So if you, if you were looking at... Um, at a, at a digital twin, you could very easily go out there, capture everything for your city or whatever that might be, or state or however big the area you might want to cover is. You, that all the information um, can be can be captured. Um, but the key is 
why? why? Why do you want all that information? And and I think that's the real challenge with this is not to just go out and say, all right, we want a digital twin, let's build it. Um, because we've seen you, you kind of end up then trying to fit your questions to the data you have um, as opposed to working out your questions and then seeing what can best inform them. Um, and that's that piece of strategy up front is, is absolutely key um, because it's, it's, it's probably a scary place when you get to a point where you realise that you may have invested a huge amount of money in something um, and it's not necessarily going to give you that return on investment um, that, that you would hope for and you might need extra work to, uh, or extra effort to, um, to get that where you could have um, spent some time up front to really plan that out and, um, and work out how it would be used to optimise business performance. Um, whether, whether that's detecting physical issues sooner, um, predicting outcomes more accurately, um, or driving greater value through assets um, now and in the future. So I suppose it really depends. So I, 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 like, I like what I'm hearing in terms of what seems to be those benefits and values of a digital twin, Matt, that you've just explained. Um, can you give me an overview of the process? So you've sold me. I want a digital <laughs> twin. Can you sort of take me through the, 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 the big steps or the, or the chunks of the journey of creating a digital twin? I mean, is it, is it sort of, do I have any involvement or I just outsource it, you know, to, to good folks like Oricon or how, how do we create a digital twin? What do I need to give you? What do you need to know? <laughs> um, look, it, I suppose the, there's, there's, a num there's a number of fronts. Um, there's really that discovery phase upfront where, where you want to work out what you already have. Um, that's, that's quite critical. Whether, and that, that doesn't just mean in terms of spatial data or information about what assets you own and what you have, how they're performing. Um, it's, it's, it's very much around, do you have a strategy? Um, what, what do you want this to look like in the long term? Um, that, that's, that's the key part. Like I mentioned just before, um, before jumping straight in, um, the next the next part is is I suppose identifying the gaps, um, what might you need to capture, um, what might we need to develop. Uh, do we do we even have the ability to open or view data through the current software um, stack that we have in the business, um, which which is it seems like a a, a crazy question, but um, it's amazing how many times we've seen a Revit model that's been delivered for design and construction that has not been utilised any further because um, the the software isn't available or people aren't trained in how to use it. Um, so that's a that's a really key part as well is working out what the fit for purpose solution might be, um, and then I suppose follow, following that is is actually being able to. Uh, map out the processes that you have and where this can provide the value um, because that's that's a point where you can actually foresee where this will fit in as opposed to just developing it and then making it fit um, and then the the final part might might potentially be um, okay this is how we're this is how we want to design something build it but then the bigger piece of an asset life cycle is 
is the the ongoing maintenance and um, and operations. Uh, so how how do you do that? Uh, how can this provide value to that process? And then um, and then what what is this going to inform in that process as well? So it's really not just looking at the BIM model, but looking at the asset information model as well. So how how can those two things, which to be honest, in my mind, they shouldn't be two separate things. They should just be one. Um, but how can that come together? Um, because at the moment, they are two very separate discussions. You normally have discussions about BIM when you design and construct, and then asset information once it's handed over. Um, I see there's a, there's a really nice logic straight between those two just to bring them together. Um, and, and one of the biggest requirements of BIM is to do that. So, yeah. So, Matt... A digital twin isn't just BIM on steroids. It is a different thing, but it, it, there is some sort of a, a seamless integration there. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I kind of, I kind of like to think of it is that they, you should, you should be able to to look at the asset lifecycle, um, and and whether it's a um, your information model for um, design or construction or for handover into operations and management. The, my, my logic is that that should all be one continually developed information model that, that then feeds into how the, the asset's actually managed. Um, and, and then off the back of that, you can start to talk about digital twins and whether that digital twin is the holder for that information. Um, so you then you then start to look at this whole functional piece of, of what it might be. Okay, so let let's sort of advance this hypothetical. I've got my digital twin built. Um, if I'm if I'm sort of a, a department head or lead, you know whether it's whether it's uh, you know public works, you know road asset maintenance, whether it's the transportation department, the planning department, economic development you know, parks and wildlife, environmental services with waste and water and things like that. I mean, is it, is it truly this holy grail that I can use it as a playground to test things out? And when I say things, I mean policy ideas, um, you know, new, new in investments, you know, asset investments, you know, I want to drop mm. in a, a new park. I want, I want to increase, you know, urban tree canopy coverage. I, I want to widen this road. I, I mean, what what can't a digital twin do? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it, there, there, I'm, there would be a number of, of limitations that are all, um, I suppose, that that would only eventuate as you start to um, to ask questions of the model that weren't there when you planned to build it or when you when you actually started to build it. Um, but but the reality is that they are they are or could be quite agile as well, I suppose. And thinking, thinking kind of on my feet as well, like there's, there's a whole piece around um, being able to, to, I suppose, trial with these, like whether that's, whether that's, oh, what happens, what happens to energy usage if we, if we do increase um, the amount of trees and, and can it be covered in this, in this certain park? Do we have to have lights on all the time? Do we not? Does it mean that it'll be much cooler and we'll get more people there? Um, so that real scenario piece, um, I think, is that's that's really fascinating because that's when you start to 
you're not just managing your current asset with a digital twin. You're actually planning how it can be better in the future as well. Um, and, and using that real um, scenario planning piece. Um, and if, if there's logic to it, um, it can, it can be programmed. Um, that's my kind of approach. <laughs> um, because with, when you start to see computational d design coming a long way, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely possible um, to, to start to program these things into, into the digital twin. Uh, Matt, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sort of um, uh, information coming through via industry sort of blogs and websites and articles that, um, you know, the internet of things and the billions of connected devices and objects that we're going to have connected to the internet in years to come um, is, is potentially a, a big, contributor to the data that could feed through into a digital twin. Um, I, I suppose th this idea of connecting to the internet, if you can connect to the internet, you can sort of feed it in through the digital twin. I mean, can you, can you get a little bit geeky with me for a moment in terms of, of, of data flows into a digital twin um, and how live and real time can this be? Yeah, well, I, look, um, I, I'm I'm more than happy to get geeky as well because that's this is um this is where the the really interesting stuff starts to happen. Um, if if you look at coming back to McLaren again, they they do it in real time, um, and then they do it in predictive as well. So, it, the, I don't think there's a limitation to the to the way it can work. Um, I think I think one of the biggest issues we have is that we are so data rich now. Um, we're capturing data from just about everything, um, whether that's just the standard um, user with a mobile phone uh, tracking in and pretty much logging into being logged into Facebook or whatever they might be logged into continuously. Um, whether that's companies like Uber who are capturing a huge amount of data on the way they function, um, it there's there's so much information and data there. Uh, it's it's really about how do we harness that in these kind of models uh, to, to help inform decisions. Um, I, and, and look, that, that whole real-time piece was, was interesting because we keep, we keep hearing about real-time um, and whether that can work for a building. And, and I, it's, it's obvious that it can. Um, and we, we went out last year and just grabbed a couple of Raspberry Pis. Um, we, we scanned our building here in, in Neutral Bay uh, at Oricon and, and built a little digital twin and started funneling through some real-time information um, into that model. And, and that, for me, was the most basic form of what a digital twin might be. Um, and, that's, and the reason to do that was that I could sit here and try and explain it for hours. And like we, we could talk about this for hours, absolutely. Um, but to be able to show something that's actually working and, and what that could be um, and the, the really simplistic data flow that you can look at, um, that, that then becomes something real and it makes it real for people and they can, they can actually um, start to see how that might, I suppose, be applicable to, to whatever asset they have. So everyone, everyone loves a, a dashboard, Matt, you know, like you know, <laughs> you're sitting in front of the, you know, the, 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 the control screen and there's sort of, you know, six, 10, tiles with sort of uh, bar charts and pie charts and 
you know, dials going up and down in real time, you know, my energy usage, you know, you can see the sort of ticker going up and down from, you know, green through the yellow to the red. So everyone loves a dashboard. Are you, are you telling me that a digital twin is, is like a, a 3d a 4d dashboard? Like it's, it's not, it can not only tell you kind of how, what, what's going on now, good, good, bad, or in between. Um, but, but, but it, it does that, in, in sort of a contextual sense in terms of you can f see it and interact with that level of performance in space, in, in a place. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, and that's, that's kind of when you start to, to put those couple of things that you just mentioned, then um, that's, that's like, I, I always start to think about um, the movie, um, was it Ready Ready Player One, where they mm -hmm. all live in the in the oasis and yes. <laughs> in the virtual world? Like when you think about that, and then what we're talking about right here, it's not it's not too dissimilar, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and concepts from that as to what they might be for a digital twin, um, I, I think that's really fascinating. That that the the digital and the physical and how they interact and what what value they can provide to to someone like that that's it's it's fascinating your your description matt of what you guys did in your office in new south wales was an interesting one you sort of connected a couple of raspberry pies you sort of scanned your building um you had a little play with it it seems to me like that would be kind of an ideal starting place for a local authority who wanted to dip their toe in the water of digital twin. I mean, is that, is that sort of a fair uh, idea in terms of having a little play creating sort of a, you know, whether it be the workplace or another little sort of physical location and, and, and then of course potentially scale up over time. I, I mean, if you were to sort of recommend an approach to a city, um, would that, would that, would that be a, a viable option or a recommendation? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, I suppose there, there's the, the big strategy piece as well, but um, something that that I, I, I do really love is is the whole proof of concept piece. Um, start really small um, and, and have a crack. Like get get some ideas together, work out what you think that, that might be and and see what it see what it is. Um, the amount of value you can derive from just having something to play with as opposed to just trying to, um, to conceptually build something, um, is huge. Um, and that, that's, that's something that we're, we're very big on is, um, at Oricon is, is making sure that, that we are, we are kind of, um, keeping that playful side in amongst the very, the very serious business decision side as well, because, you want to make sure that this is something that people will actually use um, where it comes back to that user centric piece. Um, if you're not using it with the people that will have to potentially change the way they do their job, um, then, then you may end up with something at the end of this huge process or even a very short process um, that, that doesn't fulfill the fundamental requirements. Um, so, so very much, um, keeping the, the user at the centre of, of all of this is, is key as well. Um, Matt, Matt just, just quickly, we, we're running out of time here, but I did want to ask the question around sort of 
next steps and, and, and guidance. I know uh, I'm a bit of a standards geek. I like the idea of people being on the same page, um, you know, embracing the same, you know, broad scope of something because that allows us to sort of scale and replicate and really accelerate innovation. Um, in the world of BIM, there's multiple standards, national, international standards that give clear guidance on sort of how to do it, why, um, gets down into a lot of detail. Are, are we, what have we got in terms of um, good standard guidance around digital twin? Does, does that exist yet? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't think anything really exists. I think we can look to other industries to, um, to, to kind of um, slingshot off. Um, they've done a lot of a lot of work, like the McLaren and General Electric that I mentioned previously. There's there's lots of others as well. Um, that that's a good starting point. Um, we we do have lots of standards as well in regards to um, to BIM. Um, there's a few standards that are being um, released around Australia and around the world now, um, which is, they're, they're calling them BIM for, um, sorry, BIM for asset management, um, which seems like an interesting way to put it. But um, I think I think that's a, a very strong step in the right direction. Um, and and I suppose off the back of that then is the, is the whole, um, I suppose, if, what what I've been seeing is that where these things are really successful, whether it's BIM, um, asset information modeling, digital twin, whatever that might be, um, it's really where it's it's driven by the end client. Um, if if that if that I suppose vision is set and the support is there, then um, as a as a as a designer um, or as a constructor. If you've got that vision and that real direction as to how it needs to be done, um, you can absolutely go and get it. Uh, so I think that's a that's a big piece as well. And there's been some great steps in the right direction. Um, even just last week, we had a really great meeting where um, or a workshop where Roads and Maritime Services in New South Wales organised an industry workshop where consultants and constructors came in and just we just we just started to workshop BIM essentially and what digital engineering means for RMS, um, which was, which was a fantastic initiative. So, yeah, I think, I think we're starting to move in the right direction. Are you, um, uh, I suppose just a, a more personal final question, Matt, are, are you excited for 2019? I mean, what, what's on your, what's on your sort of playlist for 2019? Yeah, look, I'm, I look, <laughs> um, I'm very excited about what, what opportunities are, are coming. Um, not just the ones we know about with with digital twin. Um, I think machine learning is is a real game changer. Um, we're starting to see applications from that um, across everything we do. Uh, so that's that's huge. So so where that will go um, in computational design, um, obviously all that starts to lead into um, to artificial intelligence, all those type of things. So it's kind of all the buzzwords. Um, but I think we're starting to get to a point now where we understand them. And we can apply, not just not just say artificial intelligence because it's kind of makes everyone think about Terminator. Mm. Um, so I think it, it's it's starting to become more real. Um, that's that's really exciting, um, and and just to be able to start to set up, um, I suppose, assets 
to be managed proactively. Um, I think I think that like it, and that might be a little bit boring in terms of foresight, but when you think about the value we can bring to uh, to to even just even just the the general population um, by by maintaining things when they need to be maintained, not when they break. Um, I think I think there's a huge piece around that. So yeah, that that's kind of what what I'm excited to see, um, and what I think 2019 will hold. Um, and then, geez, uh, the 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 future is uh, is pretty interesting at the moment. So I think we're in a very exciting time. Well, Matt. Um I feel like we haven't even started this conversation yet. Uh, <laughs> our, our, our 40 minutes is up. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and um, allowing our listeners to get just a, a, a little bit of an insight into sort of this, this concept and idea and, and process and, and uh, innovation called Digital Twin. Uh, I think we're certainly going to have to sort of come back later on and, and maybe do some deep dives in some particular use cases. Uh, but for now, it's been, it's been great to have you on and, and thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you very much. And um, look, I'm, I'm more than happy to come back and, um, and, and dive into the detail. So thanks a lot, Adam. No, that's a pleasure. And for our listeners, um, we've had uh, Matt Aberline join us uh, on episode 17 of the Smart Cities Chronicles. Matt's uh, principal and also New South Wales asset management leader at our partner company, Oricon, who are doing great work in uh, digital transformation of the built environment. Uh, for our listeners, uh, remember, if you're not subscribing to the podcast, you can uh, certainly jump into those platforms wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Spotify. Also, uh, our website, more information there, smartcitieschronicles.com. Uh, and we always love feedback. Um, you can send us an email anytime, uh, chronicles at anz.smartcitiescouncil.com. Uh, I've had Matt Abelin from Oricon join me talking digital twins. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed that. This is the first of our next series of uh, podcast episodes diving deep into sort of some key concepts and trying to get some straight talk and, and cutting through some of that terminology um, to really understand what some of these interesting ideas and, uh, and technology and data transformations are. Uh, we will come, uh, come back shortly uh, with additional episodes in some key issues. But for now... I uh, hope you have a great week uh, and keep well.